Welcome to Windy City Maples Podcast. I'm your host, Shane, and with always, my co-host, Kyle. What's been going on, Kyle? Well, today, Shane, I thought we'd talk about expansions, fear of missing out, and at the end of the day, do we need it all when it comes to our games? That is a very good topic, because <laughs> I am a collector, and it is nerve-wracking. I can say that. Well, you start running out of uh, space to put things. As you can see, I'm surrounded by my collection of Aeon's End. And on our first podcast, I believe I mentioned this is one of my favorite games. I believe you did, and <laughs> you have a lot of it. I'm counting eight boxes, just quick scanning that. Wow, there's a lot more to Aeon's End than I even knew. <laughs> and uh, a little pitch for them here. There's another Kickstarter coming in a couple months, so there's even more. But that's I think that's what led me to this topic today, because... I love this game so much, and wherever my boxes are organized here, wherever the first one is, which is so hard for me to tell right now, but the main box, I've played everything, so I've got through all that content. Uh, the Legacy version, I'm about halfway through, but that leaves about seven boxes that I've never touched, three of them that still have the plastic ceiling on them, so I led myself saying, do we, do we really need it all? <laughs> So what you're saying is like this might be a little intervention for yourself, seeing that there's a Kickstarter for Aeon's End coming out. <laughs> yeah, and I guess, well, you know what led me to that, Shane, is when we yeah. were the other day, uh, we were playing Everdale, right? And I was like, I had a boatload of fun, and I just played the base game. And I thought maybe, you know, this is something you could speak more to, because I know you have all the other expansions, but it was just easier to teach with just the base game. But I was like, man, I had just as much fun... And then I was thinking, at what point does it, when you hit that point, do you need to have the next addition, like the next part? Like, when do you need more? Uh, I don't know if you ever need more, but I know <laughs> that sometimes they come out with some really great concepts that uh, maybe they didn't bring it into the first game or it wasn't fully fleshed out. So, like, for Everdell example... I have everything for that, because that's how I got it, was through the Kickstarter for the expansions. And uh, really, the one expansion, I would say, is a necessity for some more strategy, because this gives you uh, these bigger meeples you can ride on, and those are a real cool addition. And they don't come up in every game either. Like, uh, playing a lot of uh, two-player games with just my wife and myself... You don't tend to go through the cards that contain them as often. But they're a great change to the game and can really change your strategy. And So I really do like that. I learned it with uh, the Pearlbrook expansion. It's nice, but uh, I think the main game, it really doesn't change to me a lot. It does bring in, like I know when we played, there's a little cardboard bonus point spots you can go to it does replace those with some, some real big point uh, 3D cardboard pieces. So you can be going for like 25, 30 point bonuses, which is quite a big swing. They're harder to get, but but like I said, that it's nice, but it's, it's not necessary. It's just, it's more variety if you kind of feel you've mastered the base game. That that's when I would say you need an expansion. Is if you feel that you completely have the game figured out, then it's nice to throw in something that maybe 
makes you have to reassess your strategy and figure it out again. And I guess that would be the idea behind expansions, right? Is that they're they're to give people more who love the concept of that game. And and I fully heartily agree, but I know me and you, we both have growing game collections. So it's, you know, are we at what point do we reach that point of being, you know, needing that extra content? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you pointed out, just even with a game that you love, you haven't even really scratch the surface of the content you have mm-hmm. and you're and you're picking up other games as well which right i mean in this day and age it's a little harder to get them to the table but i mean i've got a pile of games that i've barely gotten to the table if ever and yeah, i'm and getting I, two more this week sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm just like looking at this and the base game of aeon zen like, i have it up there as one of my favorite games but if i only had that base game i, I don't feel like i'd feel that same way right because I've played each boss. It's a boss battler, right? Like I played each one a couple times. You know, they're unique, they're different, but it would get repetitive fast, right? But I fell in love with the world so much. I did one of their recent Kickstarters and then I like, you know, added on the add-on pledge for every little tiny box single expansion. So I have everything that game's ever made. So you talked about wanting to be a collector, right? So at at this point, you know, I almost have that feeling that, I just have to keep going. Like I, I, I got to have it all right. But then that's where I, again, that question comes in. Do I need it? However, I guess the unique spot, and this will segue us into the third part of this conversation is the fear of missing out, especially when it comes to Kickstarter. Cause the cool thing is with my Aeon's end is these guys do hit retail. Um, often the big boxes are the same price, but when you kickstart it, they kind of include the little two small ones in there. And you're saving a nice bit of money, but there's not a ton of exclusives. Like, there's a couple promo cards, but you definitely could get away with not having that FOMO to speak of as much because there's a good chance you can pick these up later. You might miss out on a couple cards, but you'll still have the main game. But what about all these games that are Kickstarter exclusive that we're not going to see all these extras? You know, do you experience that fear of missing out? I... I live with it actually with two of the games that I enjoy, uh, Blood Rage. I never got the Kickstarter edition. I was new to the board games uh, when and the Kickstarter in general when that was on uh, Kickstarter. So I I never kickstarted it, but uh, they have other monsters and stuff that I never got, and I've looked for them and. Good, good on Simon when they say something's exclusive. It <laughs> pretty much stays exclusive. But I mean, it's if you want to be a completionist like myself, it becomes really hard and really pricey to try and finish out your set. And the other game I have is this Path of Light and Shadow. It has uh, some upgrade cards for this uh, Wanderer race in the game, but there's certain ones that were only Kickstarter exclusive, and I have not found those anywhere like eBay nothing and and I want them because they're they're all they're one of the random things apart about the game like when you upgrade them you randomly get one of these cards and so it's not like it's just a little randomness to your strategy and they all are powerful and they're fun to play with and great art and but so yeah I mean the fear of missing out is real like and some of these kickstarters and game uh i don't know what's the other site game found or game found yeah yeah they really 
some of the publishers on those places really push that to get their product uh, funded, basically. Mm-hmm. I have fallen more in love with the Shem Phillips Scarp Hill Games thing, and he pretty much, as far as I can see from everything I've Kickstarted, never has anything exclusive. If if you can get it in the Kickstarter, you can eventually get it uh, in retail. Maybe, like you said, I'm getting a bonus couple little boxes that, like if you want the metal coins, you're going to have to upgrade that yourself later, but they'll be available. Stuff like that. So. Yeah, I think they're, especially Kamon uh, or Simon, however you want to pronounce it, that's there. That's the bread and butter, hey? Because uh, that's part of what I was thinking about with this discussion. Because again, my games haven't arrived yet, but uh, Massive Darkness Two was one that I pretty much went all in on last summer. Because um, again, I was like, these miniatures are sweet. Like you're getting all this essentially free content. Because I guess to put a perspective for everyone else out there, I bought Massive Darkness One retail, and I've played I think three or four scenarios now. It's a pretty fun game. You know, you just get to slay a bunch of monsters, upgrade your weapons, and it's nice. Like, it's fun, but you just have those six characters. And I was looking back to their Kickstarter page, and it was like a, it was like ten bonus playable characters and, like, uh, another handful of, like, monsters and all that that you got for free, essentially. Because it ended up being, you know, I think the final price was, like, $20 more than retail, but it, like, tripled the components just about. Yeah. And again, Some of those like, things are insane. Yeah, and like you said, I'm looking them up on eBay and stuff, and it's like, okay, do I want to pay $500 for this? Or I guess I'm not getting it, right? So with Massive Darkness, I was like, okay, I, I didn't quite go all in because there was one level, one box that was just one giant dragon and like six miniatures, and it was 60 bucks American, and I'm like, I'm already at like $250 for this game. I, I, I won't make it 300 but I basically was all in for that, right? Yeah, and then we know recently here in the last few months there was uh, Primal, you know, and I went all in on that one. The good thing is, as much as I'll say I have a lot of Aeon's End, all those like eight boxes plus Legacy, I still think we're cheaper than Primal All In. So, <laughs> so there's something can be said about that when you don't have hordes and hordes of plastic miniatures. And even with the f- fear of missing out, is not even just the exclusive nowadays. Uh, I played a game with a mutual friend of ours when we still had game nights. It was just, I believe it was called Thieves' Den or something. They had kickstarted it. And it was just a fun little, uh, I don't even know, worker placement card playing kind of game. But I've actually, because it was a small box game and I've kind of been looking for more small box stuff for my collection, I looked for it. And it's like, I can't even find it. Like, I can find it's uh, for sale used through the board game geek market, or I think I found it maybe new on their market as well, but, I mean, it's really not easy to find. So some of these games hit Kickstarter, and if you didn't buy it at Kickstarter, you may never own a copy, depending on how well the retail side does afterwards. I think that's a really good point. And as you were talking there, I was just... Trying to compare um, some successful Kickstarters. We know recently I've got Sleeping Gods, and we'll be talking about that in one of our other podcasts. 
Um, but you know, they had 12,000 backers, right? And I know that one is going to hit retail, but when that came out, there's only 12,000 copies, right? Uh, other big ones, I was looking just at the zombie side and stuff. They were about 12,000 and those are those big box games, right? That are really popular yeah. and they get a ton of marketing dollars kind of put towards it, or they're just covered by every YouTube channel in existence, basically. Yeah. So you're right. Like some of those smaller ones, they 5,000 backers, like there's, 5,000 copies of that game on the planet? Like, even you're right, even if it is a cheaper game, you're really hoping for a reprint, right? Well, especially if you play it and like it and you missed out. Like, yeah, so it, it is a real thing, and it's not just for the exclusives, because if, if it's not successful enough, Kickstarter is the only printing, usually. Maybe... right. When I've been looking into games and stuff and following a Canadian board game uh, publisher, like designer and publisher, and just kind of listen to his Kickstarter things, like, yeah, he's going to get X copies for the backers, of course, but then built in, I think, was X amount of copies for retail. So, But, I mean, once that first printing's done, yeah, there might never be a second printing, depending on how well it sells in retail and how much people want to back it or or want it back right like like our local store could get maybe a copy or two in if it sells out they may never restock it unless people are like hey we want it we want it and you need enough people around right. the world saying hey we want it before they print it again right so so at the end of the day i guess you'd say that you're comfortable putting your money down ahead of time so you can potentially prevent that fear of never being able to own that game? I wouldn't say I'm comfortable because sometimes <laughs> sometimes they're duds, but I've had enough experiences now where I have missed out that I second-guess myself a lot. Like, I play a game, I'm like, oh, that would be a great game to have around for, like, the parents or something. It's It's easy and simple and quick, but, yeah, I missed out. And finding it is hard. And then there's other ones that I just got sucked into. I bought this game called Starving Artist. It was like it was when I first was looking into how to make build board games. There was a site where you could buy pieces and stuff to build your own prototypes and that. And someone had I don't know if they went through Kickstarter. I'd have to go back and look at that. But on this site, basically this site was selling that game, saying, Oh, well you can or advertising that game, saying, well, all the components were from here. Like, we did it all, right? And I'm like, oh, it looked really interesting. And then I'm like, found that you could buy it. It was only like a 30 US dollar game, right? But okay. they, they wouldn't ship to Canada. Um, but I'm like, oh, I'm like, my wife will love this game. I need to get it. So I ended up shipping it to family in the States and then paying for them to ship it here. All total, it cost me like $90 Canadian for this $30 board game. And my wife hates it. Uh. <laughs> so it's, so there's, there's the other side of fear of missing out. It's, right. Yeah. The fear, might, <laughs> the might fear of ping. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. and I guess, uh, you know, Shane, I think I'd be like willing to have this conversation again in a year from now, because with the amount of Kickstarters I have coming, uh, there's a few that I've went all in, and there's a few that 
mostly, honestly, the fear of missing out was there, but financially, I was like, I can't go all in on another game. Let's just get yeah. the base and see what happens. So, once I think I try some of those games, it might be a whole other story. So, I, I guess uh, I appreciate you taking the time to just talk th- through some of this. I guess at the end of the day, there is really no right or wrong answer. Um, but we will say, if you, I guess from Shane and myself, if you're playing a game, if you go to buy a game and you think, I might only play this five or six times. You probably don't need all those expansions. You probably don't need those add-ons. If you have the opportunity, probably better to get the base game first, play it a little bit, and then decide to get the expansions once you fall in love with the game and you know it's something you're going to add in your collection. However, I realize Kickstarter makes that really hard with all their exclusives and their timed, honored stuff. But I will say, like Shane said, you, you have your duds, you have your pros. I love Aeon's End. might take me 10 years to get through all this stuff, but I've loved every single game I've played. So I guess uh, there's the happy side of it, too. <laughs> and that's what it comes down to. It's like you said, it's attention span. Some games, or some guys, or gamers, will play, they'll play it like two or three times, and then on to the next hotness, right? So yeah, if you're if you're that type of player and you know you're that type of player, you don't need all the stuff. But you love Aeon's End. I see it in it in your eyes when we play it. I see it when you talk about it. You're passionate about it. So for you, getting it all makes sense because you're, you're going to enjoy it. You're gonna you're not dumping it two weeks from now. You're you're going to play through it. So I guess that's where you got to balance. Like, what type of gamer are you? Do you have the attention span to like give the attention and respect to some of these games that they deserve and play them through and see every nook and cranny of it? Or are you just jumping from hotness to hotness because, I mean, that's the world we are. Like, I was going to say, yeah, the world wants you to go from thing to thing to thing. I mean, an example of that is uh, I kick-started a game called Valhalla from this Polish company, Go On Board Games, I believe. They're in the news now because they're doing The Witcher Old World okay, with uh, CD Projekt Red. But I, when I kickstarted that, I was like so excited. It's this dice kind of battling game. It was, it's really neat. My wife likes it and a few people I've trotted it out to love it. But when that, came, that campaign ended, they trotted out another game like... I don't even think their pledge manager was closed for Valhalla and they had started this Titans game, which was like a big dudes on a map, kind of like a fantasy risk game, but with like some special powers. Then you had these special Titans for each side that did other stuff. And they actually admitted in their Kickstarter later that we should never have run two campaigns that close together. (laughs) They had a lot of problems with dealing with issues for Valhalla while trying to get things going for Titans. But I mean, that's the world we live in. It's like, it's out the door. You don't even have it in your hands and you're moving on to the next thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Or it ends up sitting in your closet, right? Just with the wrap on it still. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting that I've seen a lot of uh, board game companies now, especially on Kickstarter where they've like made rules or like, okay, we won't sell you another game until the other one's like shipped and delivered. And it's funny because like people get hate on, right? Those comments. And I mean, that's a topic for another day, right? But uh, yeah. yeah, it is really interesting to see how, you know, it's that next big thing. So I guess at the end of the day, when you have a game you love, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, sitting there and 
instead of saying what's new, you know, let's play what's new out in the world and say what's new on my game shelf, you know, <laughs> what yeah. can I play that I haven't? And there was another, a couple other YouTube channels I watch, and it's just like ways to maintain your board gaming addiction. And they're like, challenge yourself at least once a month to play a game on your shelf that you haven't yet before you're allowed to buy a new one, you know? So just, uh, it makes sense. That's all right. Well, I think Shane, that's all I have to say on the, the FOMO and expansions. And I, I do want to recover this again once I get that big pile of games coming in. So uh, yeah, I guess I'll leave it over to you to sign us out. Okay. This has been the windy city meeple podcast. With uh, Kyle and Shane, you can uh, contact us on Instagram at Windy City Meeples or email us at uh, WindyCityMeeples at gmail.com. You can find this podcast on YouTube and all other places you'll find your podcasts, and I hope you guys enjoy. Good night. Happy gamings. Take care.